0: The Case of the Gilted Plum, a Detective Brontosaurus v. Rockefeller Erotic Mystery, by Brent Constantine. Chapter 3 The gun was pressed toughly into Brunt's skull, the same skull that he had stored all of his thoughts over the years. Thoughts about detective's business and detective's pleasure. The thoughts that went through his skull now were neither, unless you considered his business danger which Bront did, and so the thoughts were of a business-related nature and, as such, could be deducted at the end of the year. He had to think fast, but also slow. How could he stall this creepy jeepy long enough? That's right, detective, the creepy jeepy growled in the back seat. I've got a crime gun pointed at the rear of your face, just like I said seconds ago. This might just be your deadliest adventure yet. Rockefeller's eyes darted up to the rearview mirror to get a good look at his assailant, a slim, malnourished man who was also fat in all the wrong places, shoulders and elbows. His long, brown, rotted teeth grinned up at him from behind pale, cracked lips, like some kind of awful clown that wasn't wearing clown makeup or clown clothes, but was still clearly coated as a clown. That's it, detective. The man said, his eye patch flapping up and down with each wheezy word. Get a nice long look. This is the nice long face that will be ending your so-called illustrious career. Brontosaurus smiled despite himself. The Bus Bench ad seemed to have been working after all. Brontosaurus v. Rockefeller, detective with illustrious career. The Bus Bench advertising agency had said it was both too wordy and ostentatious, but here was living proof that the campaign had been working. Not for business. He considered the cost a complete wash, but in brand awareness. Tell me one thing, creep. Brown asked. Which bus bench location did you notice? Broadway and First or Broadway and Ninth? Brown heard the car seat fabric creak as the criminal's ivory hook hand tightened its grip. Hot, sweet breath wafted into the front seat, overpowering the new car-scented air fresheners that were positioned across the dashboard to block out the smell of old car. The breath was strong and sugary, like if a lemon-sour-patch candy kid had been somehow animated to life, and then lost both an eye and a hand in some kind of industrial accident, then turned to a life of crime while eking out a meager living by threatening handsome detectives in their cars before returning to their no-doubt ramshackle sour patch apartment located somewhere in the vicinity of prime bus bench advertising real estate. I'm here with a message, detective, Brown's assailant quaffed. I don't care what the girl's telling you, but you need to drop the case and pretend none of this ever happened. Sorry, chum, Rockefeller said, but I don't forget a thing, except maybe birthdays, but that's why I enter them in as recurring events on my phone's calendar. "'I'll give you one more chance, Rockefeller,' the man said. "'You're about to cross a group of very dangerous people "'that don't take too kindly to being crossed, "'especially by a detective, and especially by you.'" Bront smiled charmingly. "'And I'll give you one more chance, whoever you are.'" Bront wasn't scared at all. He had taken out the trash once or twice in his day, mostly when Jimmy had been out of the office and neglected to do it. Bront would deal with this just like he dealt with it then beating the absolute shit out of him. You can get out of the car right now and turn yourself into the police. And by that, I mean give yourself over to the police and not become one of the police yourself. Tell them Detective Brontosaurus v. Rockefeller sent you for 10% off. That discount is for me, by the way, so I appreciate you doing that for me. No, I'll give you one more chance, the character in the back seat barked. You don't realize what danger you're in right now. One pull of the trigger will trigger this gun to blast anything that's right in front of it, including a skull, one which happens to be right in front of it now. How about I give you one more chance, creep? Brontosaurus said. Take word back to your boss that no one messes with Brontosaurus v. Rockefeller, and also tell me who your boss is so I can lock him away for crimes, crimes, crimes. The crook laughed, his loose leg skin rubbing up and down the car seat from beneath his ankle-long cargo shorts. You've got one more chance to change your mind, detective, and then after that, you won't have one left. A chance, that is. You also won't have a mind. I'll give you time to decide. You have until I put these bullets into my gun to give me your answer. (laughs) Ha ha ha! Bront laughed. Here's a fast one for you. There's only one person here with one more chance to be won. And one-on-one, there's no chance in hell that the one for this wonderful outside chance to take an even chance stands a chance for my one-and-done offer. The criminal, stunned into silence by Brant's wordplay, which, if you read it again and really think about what he's saying, isn't just clever, but actually forms a perfectly parsable sentence, straining his diseased and inferior mind of crime. But it wasn't until scratching his head with the butt of his own gun in a sad attempt to understand the mastercraft of language he now had pounding away in his brain, did Brant strike. Try one of these on for size, Rockefeller screamed. Car chair reverse now! Upon hearing the voice command, and upon Brant pulling on the lever beneath him, the seat slid backwards, propelled by the force of the detective's mighty feet, rock-hard calves, generous thighs, and minimal core support. Crack! The rear passenger's lower bones were smashed to smithereens. His gun flung to the ground, where it was quickly hidden by strategically deployed pizza boxes and plastic bags. (laughs) Looks like I've got a leg up on you now, Brant chuckled quickly shifting the seat forward again before driving it back even harder. I assure you, I'm not pulling your leg. His chuckling increased dramatically as he went in for another attack, knowing full well he was completely within his rights as a private citizen to defend himself and his car by any means necessary. You really don't have a leg to stand on. The bones were barely making noise at this point. Seemingly turned to total mush by Rockefeller's quick thinking and even quicker chair attacks. Don't skip on leg day. The man in the back seat's leg had been rendered into a fine pulp. His screams had been reduced to a low whine as his body went into shock. And then, super shock. Brown opened the car door, chuckling at a level that only a master detective could muster. Pulling what was left of his assailant onto the sidewalk and dragging his corpse into a secluded alley for more punishment. Please, no more, the man moaned. If you want anything from me, it's gonna have to cost an arm and a leg, Brad chuckled, smashing his boot into the dangling flesh that had once been a man's lower extremities. He could easily feel the texture of the brick behind it as he ground his heel into the rind. I'll tell you anything, please. I have my daughter's wedding coming up and I need to walk her down the aisle. Rhinosaur smirked, smirking really closely in the man's face and stayed smirked until he knew it worked, when the crook's crooked eyes opened back up and stared at Rockefeller with the cold terror of a man who has just been mangled beyond any hope of standing upright again and then saw the smirking of a lifetime. I'm going to ask this one time, you sick freak. Bront said coolly. Who are you? What are you doing here? And who do you work for? And what do you want? And who are you? No, I can't say. He'd never let me live. Bront shook him furiously, his legs thrashing like a rag doll that was being attacked by an enormous detective. I'll give you something to be afraid of. Every year, the Asian giant wasp, a.k.a. murder hornets, expand their territory by up to 25 kilometers each year. And while not considerably more deadly than North America. American hornets or wasps, this invasive species will decimate our honeybee population, destroying crops and potentially costing over $113 million.7 million a year to manage. Okay, I'll talk. I squeal like a little piggy. Oink, oink. Is that what you want? Oink, oink. <laughs> That's great. Thank you. But I also want answers. I don't know names. I was hired by the Men Ready Day Laborer Office. It was only supposed to be a temporary job, I swear. I never met the guy who hired me. He paid in cash. You better remember quick, or I stop being such a nice guy. All I can remember is that he wore a hat. What kind of hat? I don't know. It had a brim. Most hats have brims, tough guy. Maybe it was a fedora, like Indiana Jones, sort of. Don't play games with me, punk. The majority of people mistake the fedora for its smaller cousin, the trilby. Or, in rare occasions, the Homburg. No, I know what a trilby is. It was bigger than that. Maybe more like a cowboy hat, like a cowboy. There's no such thing as a cowboy hat, you scum. Maybe you're mistaking a stockman or a western hat, but they couldn't be more different. No, it's flatter, no, like a like a flatter brim and made out of a slick straw or something. A Panama hat, you son of a bitch. A Panama hat. You're wasting my time here. Is this a joke to you? Am I a joke to you. One more thing. He said his name was Jim. Suddenly a dart shot into the man's neck from above. He began to foam at the mouth, convulsing against the wall, a look of pure terror on his face and a look that seemed to beg Brunt not to be left alone to die in an alley, like a rat that had been shot in the neck with a dart. Brunt threw the still-wiggling body down into the trash and stared up into the night. Three stories above, he saw a figure, silhouetted against the moon, and then silhouetted against the McDonald's logo when the ad of the billboard changed a second later. Brunt only had one chance. Did you kill this guy with a dart gun? Brunt screamed. And, if so, follow up, who are you? The man above him turned and disappeared into the rooftop. No one seemed to be answering his questions tonight, whether he was shouting them at ground level or above ground level. He turned and walked back over to the still-warm corpse of his attacker. "'Let's see what clues you've got on you,' Brontz said, stuffing potential clues in the form of money and credit cards into his own pockets. "'No ID, just all these baby pictures.' Worthless, Ron threw the useless junk down a nearby sewer grate, also known as a detective's garbage disposal, despite the sanitation office's best attempts to put a stop to his technique. He never would. Wait a minute. There's something in his back pocket. Ron easily flipped the man over, despite his moans of protest, ripping the pants apart at the waist in order not to waste time going through the pockets. What is this? Ron demanded, waving the object in the man's face but it was no use. He'd already passed out, probably for good. In just a few short days, he'd be dead. Bronte examined the clue he had found, closely reading the letters that adorned it. Pre- pretzel, pretzel? Club. club! The Pretzel Club. Mr. Pretzel Gentleman's Club. That's across town. If I leave now, I can get there before they start charging cover. If Pretzel Gentleman was involved in this camper, things were about to get a whole lot more interesting. And they were already plenty interesting. Braun held down the horn on his car as he sped through a couple of stop signs. Nothing was going to come between him and solving this case. Not even a couple of stop signs. Looks like this might just be my sexiest adventure yet, Braun said. End of chapter 3.